Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me tonight, JP Zapata. We will hear from Charlie O'Connor in just a bit. But right now, it's the two of us following a lackluster loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. I wouldn't say the Flyers were necessarily bad tonight, JP. It's just my initial thought on this game is... It emphasized the margin of error the Flyers have kind of like the needle they've been threading to get to this point. Now they're only what they're now 11, 10, and 1. They right. come in, you know, 11, 9, and 1. It's not like they're setting the world on fire, but they have vastly outplayed most people's yeah. expectations to this point. I just look at things like their goal differential. They're essentially a 500 team. They're now, yeah, 11, 10, and 1 plus three goal differential. Like, they need to play their A-plus game in order to win. And even if they don't play bad, like tonight, just a couple of things go against them. Carter Hart gives up that mm. really tough goal to make it 3-1 late right before they're going to pull him. They have to pull him a little early right. then, and they give up the empty netter. But the Carter Hart, that goal, and just the uh, Scott Lawton failed clear blocked all of a sudden rebound goes in there's two goals right there that's the game like it's it's those if they make those big mistakes it's going to be very tough for them to compete with the better teams in the conference as the carolina hurricanes are still finding themselves but people believe they're good and so do i uh that's that's my initial takeaway is just like this is what happens when they make mistakes I'm right along the lines where you're at. Like, obviously, to me, like we talked about before, like the Flyers obviously are an improved team, but this stretch was important for me because you're going up against a lot of Metropolitan teams. Obviously, the Metro is very difficult as well. And, yes, you're going to have games like tonight where the Flyers, I don't think, got completely outplayed, but it is clear every single time, and obviously it's been weird that we've already played them three times in 22 games. I want to get into this schedule thing in a bit, and I'm going to ask Charlie about it. They've played the same team so many times this year. It's like it's COVID been, year again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really been like this is the third time with the uh, with the Hurricanes. They've played Vegas twice already. Yeah. By the end of next week, they'll have played Pittsburgh twice. <laughs> this is game twenty two, and they've played like like fourteen different teams. Like they just are kind of playing the same guys over, and I think that could contribute to what we're seeing yeah. a little bit as well. Like Carolina, the Flyers have played even with Carolina, and uh, to this point in the season, and that's why like. When Charlie and I talk about them, it's, yeah, they're capable on an individual game basis of playing with basically anybody. Yeah. But if you're going to look ahead to the playoffs, say they were to somehow make it, this is why I don't think they'd have much of a chance in a seven-game series because eventually, like the way the Flyers play, a good team will just button it down, kind of take away the as many odd man rushes as they can, own the offensive zone like the uh, like Carolina did tonight. Basically, after the Konechny goal, that yeah. was it. Carolina was like, "It's our puck now. Good luck." <laughs> and keep away from yeah. You. And it was just it was just that. And it's it's that balance. Like my expectations were super low coming in, and losses probably are good for the draft pick. Yeah. But they have raised my expectations a little. That when I see you know the de facto captain Scott Lawton make a mistake, when I see Carter Hart the alleged franchise goaltender let in a tough one in a division game where you can actually by raw points move ahead of Carolina in the mm-hmm. standings be number two in the Metro let them down a bit 
I'm like, I'm a little bummed by it, but I ultimately understand what this season is. It's all a learning process, and they're nowhere near as good as the Hurricanes. Billy, you didn't hear we got a captain tonight. <laughs> we did. We did. That was a really cool story for, really for, for Hockey Fights Cancer. I mean, the kid... Uh, my God, what a freaking, I was, before you got here, I was, they were telling his story on the pregame and I was just like, all right, let's, Still let's, the Kleenex let's right do next that there. hockey. <laughs> all right. so it was, it was, it's always nice to see when the, when the flyers in the league reach out and do cool stuff like that. But yeah, he, he's the captain of his, right. uh, whatever mites team or whatever he plays. And he, uh, he was on the bench for the first period tonight. That was pretty cool. to that, see. That was, that was pretty dope. It made me feel like the flyers actually understood that, Hey, they are a hockey team. They are part of the community and reaching out to human beings is a cool thing as well. Yeah. I thought, obviously the cause is pretty dope too, but Looking at this game, look, looking at Carolina, obviously we've played them three times, and every single one of these games, whoever outshoots the other team wins the game. And obviously with the Carolina team, a couple things you're obviously going to look at, and you're hoping that the Flyers can kind of be that team. And obviously speed, we saw how that kind of played out. And at times throughout the game, you know, I was mentioning to you, Bill, like the speed in the neutral zone is incredible by Carolina. There were times where it seemed like Carolina was a step ahead of Philly. Um, and of course, just just defense as well. Um, they obviously did a good, a solid job of trying to keep it clean here. Uh, but I think that there's a lot here that Philly can learn from it. And every you're not going to be able to get those wins like we saw. At, was it 12 days ago against Carolina down in Carolina? You're not going to always get those type of performances. But again, these are all learning experiences. And we have another meeting against them in March down in Carolina. So it might be a different story at that point. <laughs> wow, they've met. Uh, three times, and it's like I know the se- the season's still young, but it's like three times in the last three and a half weeks. The first game was on October thirtieth, and now it's yeah November twenty eighth, and they've played three times in less than a month. And now when do we play him again? March. Yeah, you know March. Just a very very weird thing. Um, I guess the the newsy portion of tonight's show will be Noah Cates out six to eight weeks. Charlie had a Bummer, bit of a man. report on that. You can find it right here on our YouTube page uh, from uh, practice, from the morning skate practice, whatever he was at today mm-hmm. when they announced the injury. So you can learn more about that. And we're going to talk to him about it, but this is it to me for like Noah Cates is one of Tortorella's guys. He's having a disappointing season, but I think unless somebody just comes in and blows the doors off, Noah Cates is going to get unlimited opportunities over the next year or two while they're in this rebuild phase. But this is it for Morgan Frost. Like, yeah. unless there's a call up now, there's no one to take him out of the lineup for. And I know some guys on the Phantoms are playing very well. We talked about them on the show yesterday. Ali Lixell is playing great. Samu Tuomala looks really good. Tanner Lazinski, maybe he gets another shot, although he hasn't really endeared himself to Tortorella thus far. But there are some guys who might be able to step in. But this is for all intents and purposes, probably Morgan Frost's like make or break the, uh, between now. And I'm going to say the Disney on ice trip after Christmas, like when they go out West, the last week of December, early January, it's, that's it. Like that's the five or six week mark. That's about when Noah Cates could be back and it's hockey. So he'll probably be back at the early end, unless this is like a very serious injury. Uh, but like between now and the end of December, maybe the first couple days of January, we will finally get 
maybe resolution to the Morgan Frost issue. I think there's already resolution. I think unless this dude scores a hat trick every game from now till then, he ain't <laughs> going to be a part of it. And that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> like, I don't think there's much he can do. But for the people who still want to believe he has a chance, this is pretty much it. Tonight, he played just under 15 minutes, minus one, one shot on goal, no points. Mm-hmm. Not exactly as Charlie would say, showering himself in glory in his uh, in this first game without Noah Cates. Yeah, and I was excited not only for him, but seeing Bobby Brink and Morgan Frost in the lineup together as well. I thought I was excited for that, just seeing the youth surge to the lineup there. But no, I mean, can you imagine if he gets brought back down, dude? Like, or, or we bring one of those guys up here. I don't. I don't know how this fan base can handle because we know how they <laughs> they love to just continue supporting the homegrown players, but. It's not going to be a good look. And for Morgan Frost, this is it, my guy. And that's, we talk about it from like the perspective of evaluating him. This is it for Frost. Like this is his opportunity. I don't think there's a great chance, but it's the Flyers. Who the hell knows? They might bring you up. Like, you know, (laughs) like who's to say? Like if they were to call up a phantom and then he were to get substantial time over Morgan Frost, I think that would be the last straw on his end. He'd be he'd be uh, he'd be the goalie in slap shot. Trade me right fucking now, <laughs> Denny Lemieux. Like now, hang up. Like that would be it. Like no more more. If 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 there's a call up, <laughs> without another injury necessitating it, Morgan Frost is gonna want to get out of here. I know I would. It's like okay, I'll never get a chance. But he's getting his chance right now, and I think like now it's almost I'm looking at him clean slate. It's unfair. He's got basically a month, but yeah. life ain't fair. Prove yourself or you're definitely not a part of this. If he gets dropped, what do we talk about, though? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I might have to start watching the games closer. <laughs> I'm going to have to be like, so what are they doing on the four check? You know, Charlie stuff. I'm going to have to like start tracking zone entries, all the things Charlie does for, you know, so he can basically create stats. But it's it's been the running storyline to this point in the season. It will be a question of like if there is some sort of resolution to this. What now? And David uh, Brown saying it's yeah, it's time to trade him. Oh wow. Yeah, I We're there. I mean, probably, but it's just it's gonna be a while. Uh this time of year you can make some hockey trades. Uh where you're looking at Chicago, they're kind of just short on guys. They traded for uh uh I can't I can never say it. I I can say Bavillier, but then when I like wanna <laughs> say it, I'm I like, like no, yeah. that's not right. Uh but they just brought someone in because they lost Taylor Hall for the season. Now Corey Perry's out. So like, as out as some other teams experience weird situations, like whatever the hell is going on in Chicago. I guess there's more opportunity for, for like, we'll give you our guy who's disgruntled for your guy who's disgruntled or something like that, but there probably aren't going to be any trades until the deadline. Like, deadline spur action, and I, I very much doubt. Yeah, it's probably try, time to trade Morgan Frost and just see if we can get someone else in here. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. The longer we keep him, the less value we show he has. He has no value. Like right now, this is a rebuilding team. He's under 25 years old and the coach doesn't like him. No team's like, here's a first round pick. Like that's not going to happen. No, I know. Like I'm even thinking like, all right. So like, all right, like Washington, for example, like they obviously need some youth, but what are they going to give us here? So I'm like, like, what do we exactly do with Morgan Frost? You're just going to have to wait and see here what happens while Noah Cates is out. And you're just hoping that he does 
kind of takes his advantage of the situation. Yeah, that's all we can hope for at this point is maybe he can show something that wins some guys over that uh, by some guys, John Tortorella. Uh, <laughs> like maybe he can show something we didn't think he had. But I ran this by Charlie just in terms of like even if Morgan Frost is pretty good, okay. like say he's pretty good, he can score 50, 60 points. I think John Tortorella believes that doesn't matter because in the playoffs, like your third line can win you a series. I always think like, all right, yeah, by the time you get to an Eastern Conference final or something, your top line against their top line, you're in the final four. Both are probably pretty good. For sure. Like your top D pair, their top D pair, it's going to cancel each other out. It's when you start to get to the depth of the lineup that really wins for you. And that's like, yeah, you know, when – Colorado has Nas Kadri as their 2C, and everyone slots in behind him there. They have a lot of depth. You look at what Tampa Bay's been able to do. They're just an all-star team, top to bottom. Like, you look at the teams that have won, and it's like, yeah, Vegas, tons of depth. The type of player Morgan Frost is might be able, might be capable of putting up some regular season points. But you have to be a badass to be a third-line player in, in the playoffs and score, and he's not that. As the kids say, you need that dog in you. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just – he's a perimeter player, a pass-first kind of guy, he, a little bit allergic to contact. He might – he just might not be a guy who can produce for you in the playoffs. And if he's not that and the goal is building a champion – He's just never going to get a chance here. And that's just unfortunate, man. That just kind of sounds like mentals to me, man. And I don't know how much you can fix with that, even as a coach. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's why I think we've seen the treatment of Morgan Frost that we have to this point is he doesn't think he's the type of player who can get it done for him in the long term. And if that's the case, there's nothing that's going to change his mind. And so this Noah Cates injury, it's at least buying him some time and some opportunity. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to matter. We're going to get uh, we're going to get Charlie's input on that when he joins us. But Absolutely. first, I got to tell you about one of my favorite partners of ours. It's Hero Bread. Oh, yeah. Listen, I think this time of year we could all use a little help making some better decisions. Cheers. Uh, you know, there's football <laughs> every Sunday, tons of hockey games, holiday parties, everything going on uh, around this time of year. I'm going to be taking in a lot of calories, specifically a lot of carbs. Man, I'm I'm still got some Thanksgiving leftovers. Mm. Um, it's basically 100% carbohydrates. Like that's <laughs> that is what's left. Like a little bit of meat and basically just all different forms of carbs. I'm told that's not the best choice for maintain, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, and that's where Hero Bread comes in. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co as well as Amazon, and all their products have hit the spot for me because this bread is soft, fluffy, and delicious, and Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H E R O.co to save 10% today with code PHLY. A, uh, another Achilles heel for this Flyers team reared its head today. Mm-hmm. The power play, mm-hmm. I believe they went, it finished up, yeah, 0 for 2. And that's not even, I mean, that's not, that's not all that surprising. You know, they go over two in the power play basically every night. What I found interesting about this one, Kane's goalie, Peter Kochetkov made two saves on those two Flyers power plays. 
On those same Flyers power plays, Carter Hart made two saves as well. They went even. (laughs) They broke even in shots on goal. Five on four, four total minutes. Carolina basically carried the play. I have no idea what they can do at this point. It's beyond like, well, the coach needs to do this and maybe have different guys in different positions. They tried, uh, I think they tried Ryan Paling on the power play just to have like a guy who can forecheck. We just had a comment. Someone asked, why do we have Hathaway in the power play? Like units, like, but I mean, like I'm thinking like, what else do, can we do? Yeah, that's what it was. Hathaway was on the power play. Excuse what else me. What do we do though? And that's, that is the epitome of throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> like, let's see if something will work. And I almost understand the thinking. Like, all right, what do we need to do? We need to get the puck down low, and we need to forecheck, win some battles, and then try to get the puck in front. Well, Garnet Hathaway, not exactly the most gifted offensive player, but he is gritty that way. He yeah. can do those things. I remember it was um, when Wayne Simmons got hurt at the end of one season, uh, Ryan White came in. And famously, like, I loved Ryan White because the man just always looked like he was dying for a cigarette. And that's the kind of player he was. And it was just like, you know what? We don't have a Wayne Simmons replacement. We don't have that. Doesn't exist. Let's just get a guy who can beat someone up in the corner and hopefully tip in a few pucks. Like, that's what I'm seeing with the idea with Garnett Hathaway. And, like, yeah, do they have enough guys in the lineup that you'd like to see them go with some of their more skilled players and see if they can figure something out that might look, work long term? Yeah. Nothing's working, though. This Nothing. is a horrible power play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just going to be as simple as this, Bill. Like, they just need more talent. And obviously, yeah. you, you can't get that right now. So, yeah, you're literally just throwing stuff in the wall. Hoping, hopefully, something does work. Obviously, against Vegas, that was really the one game where it seemed like it did work when you had two goals in off the power play in that game. But other than that, like what else can you possibly do? We're, we're trying different players. I mean, like what, like what else do we, do we run the, the Saxonation of Puerto Rico out there on the ice? <laughs> they like, need to maybe come up with some sort of trick play. Like, I, I don't even know what it would be. What is the, yeah. Like what is the Philly special version of a hockey play? Like we, they we need to push push. Yeah. Like, exa- <laughs> maybe that's it. Like maybe they need to get the puck back to Sandheim and then everybody just, rush the goalie as if they're going to attack him and maybe uh, like they'll get a shot through and the goalie will just be like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) I I, I really, there's no, there's no explanation for how bad they are. I think the only, the only thing crazier than how bad the Flyers power play is, is that there are three teams worse than them. Like there, and one of them has Alex Ovechkin, which like the, like absolutely insane. That is wild. Like this is a hard, especially considering there's like teams in the 30s and near four, like high 30s. I think the league leaders like 37 and a half. The Flyers are probably back down to single digits after going over two tonight. And there's four teams in that category that are just absolutely dreadful. Uh, it's yeah the flying v like it's it's not even a joke at this point what what's what are they gonna get worse (laughs) they never score on the power play all they could do is continue to never score on the power play at least we'll be entertained at that point it would be something like you know for that kid out there on the bench that like like, oh yeah kids love the mighty ducks like that came out 30 years before he was born he has no (laughs) idea about the mighty ducks but like it's in the grand scheme of things, like when they have Mitchkov, when they have Gauthier, when Tyson Forster develops into the player he's been going to become, when you have a good center and a good setup man, when Bobby Brink develops more, 
you'll probably have a better power play. But, like, it's so bad. It is. It absolutely is. It's cool seeing uh, Tyson Forster seems to have more confidence after that goal against the Islanders. It does. I've been liking it's. I just wish this guy could find the back of the net because he is playing well. Like, And it's so hard to be like, well, he has one goal. You know? <laughs> How well can you pot? And we need more out of him. Right. He... As well as you can play, if you never score, you're, you can't be at the top of the lineup. Yeah. You know, I, I watched Michael Roffel score 21 goals one year. Right. Granted, it's with Drew and Voracek, but still, like, you need to score sometimes to justify the ice time. Yeah, and, like, look, at the end of the day, like, I know Carolina has given up a lot of goals. Goalie, goalie has, has been an issue for them, but... Like, they still are a well-structured defense, and there's going to be games like tonight where they're just going to be on, and you're just going to have to find a way to score a goal, and unfortunately, they could not besides TK. Yes, we had goals here tonight, guys. TK had a nice little breakaway goal. I like that one. That's And I guess we should get to uh, Travis Konechny. On, on, on tomorrow's show, we're going to do a little bit of, like, state of the rebuild and mm. get into the idea of... Um, are they trending back towards like maybe it makes more sense to trade Travis Konechny? I think that's more of an off-season than in-season move. But just in terms of what we're seeing out of TK right now, I mean, his 12th goal of the season, he has been everything you could possibly ask for, whether he's out there on the top line, whether he's anchoring his own line and kind of just bringing along some kids with him. Yep. He's been all over and he's been productive all over. TK has been a revelation for this team, and I would love to be able to see him stay here in the long term. He's going to turn uh, – I just had it. He's going to turn – where'd it go? 27 on uh, on 311 day, on March 11th. So it's not like he's old, but it's – you are going to need – to re-sign him after next season. He's due for an, he can sign an extension on July 1st of this year or of, after this season. Like <sighs> – it's a weird spot, but just as a player, man, he's the best development success story they've had since Couturier and Giroux, and it's not particularly close. I know. Isn't that crazy? That of all, all these years, it's been TK, really. Uh, but, no, I mean, again, he just got himself now in the top 15th again with as far as goals go in the leaders in the leaderboard. But that goal was absolutely spectacular here, getting himself positioned perfectly. I think Tippett was the one. It was either Tippett or Forster. I think it was Tippett. Got him the assist there. And he put the put the he knew he was gonna put the puck. Yep. Yeah, he knew he was gonna put the puck. Nice outlet pass, and he got it right there. Um, and so it, it is interesting what you do with TK. I mean, he's in that weird age, like you mentioned. Like I think Carter Hart is kind of in that same boat as well. Like right in that prime, what do you do with them? Because they're really talented players. Obviously, TK with Tortorella, he's really shown what he is. I feel like he's been able to score goals. He's still that kind of like that a hole on the ice. You still see that those moments here for TK, but. Uh, going forward, I mean, he's going to be the main offense production. And, uh, you know, Owen Tippett's not that far off from him as well. But another great performance here for TK. You know, I'm just I'm looking at the box score right now, and I'm seeing another game of four shots on goal for Cam Atkinson. That's three in a row, uh, four in a row, with at least four shots. And I got to tell you, He's been absolutely like, I do not remember seeing any of these. Like he's just, he started out so hot and just a guy that we all came into the season. Like, well, if they're going to trade anyone, he makes the most sense. And I still think he has plenty of value. Uh, that, you know, middle six guy who can kill penalties for you. He can score, but 
if the idea is for this team to actually try to compete and make the playoffs, he has to score a little more than he has. It's now, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games without a goal for Cam. That probably means he'll score in the next game because, as we keep saying, goal scorers are streaky. Uh, But I just... He must be doing something to be putting up all these shots on goal, but I I can't tell you what it is. Was he hot and cold in his first year when he was here? Yeah, he, he had his he had the Spurs like where you know he had a um, a run of games where he was scoring goals and he would just go ice cold. So I think again that's just kind of who Cam Atkinson is. But you're right. I mean, like it would be nice for him to see some production because yeah, we kind of figure out what we need what we need to do with Cam Atkinson, whether it be a deadline piece or whether we are going to keep on with him and maybe move him on down the line, but. I know a lot of people are looking at Cam Atkinson as a top option to kind of deal away because uh, obviously a lot of people do want to keep that that tank uh, notion going. But it, it, it's just weird because, like, I see Cam. He is in plays. And you look at the box the box score, like, he's putting up shots. But then you're like, wait, he did put up three shots? I don't even remember <laughs> that. No, and just I, I think a lot of times after a game like this, I try to like, we're always looking through the flyers lens and it's just looking at like, Oh, how, you know, one goal and Carolina came in with you know, the save percentage, the goalie problems they've been having. That's starting to even out for them a little bit. It's why they don't believe in spending a ton of money on goalies. Cause you're going to get like probably baseline average out of pretty much everyone on most nights. Right. And so they're like, yeah, we'll just go with Kochekov. And he's been good the last couple of times the uh, the Flyers have played him. I think maybe like that's just kind of swinging back for Carolina. And that was how, yeah, they, they've won the shot battle against Carolina to beat them in the earlier this season. But Carolina's thing is they have the puck. They're going to get a ton of shots. They're not going to give up a ton. That's right. So you kind of just have to take advantage of maybe a goalie's weaknesses a little if you're going to stay in a game with him and then eventually beat them. It was a lot easier to do when they were struggling in the net. It's starting to it's starting to come back around for them now. And if that's going to be the case, all right, that's their weakness. It's no longer the weakness. It's going to be tough for the Flyers. So I do want to like give it to Carolina. They are an excellent team. And we are now joined... By Philadelphia's number one beat reporter himself, Charlie O'Connor. Mr. O'Connor, how are you this evening? Hey, guys. I'm coming from a unsurprisingly very short John Torrell press conference. Not quite as short as you would expect. We got to about four minutes. So it wasn't a I'm giving one word answers to everything. But understandably, he didn't have a lot to say after that one. Basically, he just said team was flat. They haven't been flat that often this year, but they were flat tonight. Four minutes. Sweet. That's a marathon. Um, I told you I wanted to listen anyway, to this one, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, Charlie, I want to get the newsy stuff out of the way first. You had a bit of an update on Noah Cates from uh, the morning skate today. But word is he's out six to eight weeks. Now, that's a bummer for, you know, we wanted to see more out of Morgan Frost. We were hoping he was going to get a bit of an opportunity to show us the guy he was last year and a little bit more offense, maybe. It's going to go the other way. He's going to be out at least a month. Um, but... One man's misfortune is another one's opportunity. Morgan Frost. (laughs) This is it for him, right? Like, I mean, it's probably already been decided, but if he was going to have an opportunity, it's like between now and the Disney on ice trip in my mind, that's like five ish, six weeks from now. This is it. What did you see from Morgan Frost tonight? And what do you think his opportunity is going to be going forward? 
Yeah, I guess before I get into uh, into Morgan Frost, I do want to provide another update. John Tortorella, surprisingly enough, did give us the uh, the injury for Noah Cates in the postgame press conference. Uh, it is a broken foot. He said that Noah Cates suffered the broken foot uh, early in the second period of Saturday's game, played through it the rest of the game. So it was very clearly one of those things where the foot was bothering him when it was all compressed in with the skate he could play. And then when he took the skate off, the foot blew up and they realized it was broken. So Noah Cates is going to be out for a while. It's a pretty serious injury. Going on to Morgan Frost, interesting you asked me about him because that is going to be the focus of my game story after this one it's just essentially like what happens now that Cates is out obviously this gives Morgan Frost but it also gives some other guys like Bobby Brink was in a rotation he was he wasn't playing every night now presumably he's going to be in at least for now however what I'll say is I don't think Morgan Frost played that well tonight I, I thought it was a uh, an underwhelming game I, I thought you know the, the game he played on Saturday I thought he was fine I thought he made some plays I, I thought it was not going to be enough to impress Tortorella because Tortorella has very, very high standards he set for Morgan Frost under to stay in the lineup. But I thought he was fine. I thought he had a decent game. Tonight, I thought Morgan Frost had a below average game. I, I thought he has the turnovers. He really wasn't noticeable. He wasn't creating much. I, I didn't think he played that well. And I asked John Tortorella after the game tonight because I wanted to uh, to kind of get him get him on the record about this because it's it's an interesting point, this idea of, okay, now you only have 12 healthy forwards with Noah Cates out uh, for quite a while. Is this rotation dead? Do these guys still have to prove themselves? Is this an opportunity for them to prove themselves? And basically what Tortorella said was, look, it is absolutely an opportunity for these guys. He didn't have anybody by name, but you can guess who he's talking about, the guys who were in the rotation, or even somebody like Scott Lawton, who hasn't been playing well over the last couple of weeks. Like, those are the guys that are kind of on, they're going to have an opportunity. But Tortorella made it clear in the postgame presser. It was an interesting answer. He basically said, look, we need more from some guys. This is an opportunity. But if they don't start showing us more with this opportunity, we're not going to hesitate to dip into the AHL team to give other guys a chance and start this rotation back up again. So while I do agree with you that this is an opportunity for Morgan Frost, to me, this is the perfect chance to give him four, six, even eight weeks of just, you know, uninterrupted opportunity to show that he deserves to be a part of this or show that he's just not good enough. That would be my ideal, but don't put it past Tortorella. If after a week of Morgan Frost unimpressing him, they go and call up Uli Luxell or Tanner Lazinski and then bench Morgan Frost anyway. <laughs> That's uh that was <laughs> my next question was, do you think it's going to be at all possible? We see, uh, Lixell to Amala or Lazinski. So I'll divert from that and say, if that were to happen, one of those dudes even jumps maybe Morgan Frost. Do you think that would be the impetus for Frost to finally be like, please trade me? Yeah, probably. And, and again, the whole thing with the please trade me stuff is that I don't think it's necessarily that the Flyers are rejecting any trade involving Morgan Frost out of hand. I believe they, at the very least, from what I understand, at least gauged the market on Frost during the summer while they were negotiating his his contract that he eventually signed before the start of camp. So it's not like they are anti-trading Morgan Frost. It's that the offers they got weren't that great. So it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to give us a ton for him, we'd rather see if we can make it work with him here. 
I do agree, though, that, you know, one of the reasons why there hasn't been a lot of urgency on the Flyers part to trade Morgan Frost, it's because Morgan Frost hasn't wanted to be traded. He, he wants to make this work. He wants to make it work in Philadelphia. I do agree that, you know, he's already clearly behind Noah Cates in, in terms of the organizational depth chart hierarchy because Noah Cates isn't getting scratched and Morgan Frost is. So clearly they like Cates more than Frost. Now he's getting the chance to kind of artificially surpass Noah Cates on the depth chart for a bit. Yeah, if then he gets jumped by Lixell, or if he gets jumped by Lazinski or something like that, in addition to Noah Cates, when he gets back, is just going to jump right back above Frost when he's healthy, clearly. Yeah, if I'm Morgan Frost, I think to myself, it's just not going to work here. This coach is not going to give me a fair shot, and I probably should, through my agent, make a formal trade request. And if that ends up happening, then we'll see where that goes. I don't think Frost is there yet. I think Frost still wants to make it work here. I think he still believes, you know, obviously he's he's an NHL player. He believes in his own talent, but I still think he believes he has enough backers in the organization that if he were to play up to what he believes is his talent level, that he can very much put himself back on the map as a part of this four, five, six years down the road. However, if he continues to play games like he played tonight to be blunt and he gets jumped by another guy who's currently in the AHL yeah I think that changes the situation dramatically Charlie real quick I want to touch upon a point that you made earlier I really am curious about um so you mentioned Scott Lawn's struggles as well takes a bad penalty here late in the second for you personally what do you need to see for Scott Lawn to kind of get out of this rough patch of the season yeah, it's a good question. I don't think I think for a lot of the the first few weeks of the year, I don't think Lawton was playing poorly. I think he was playing fine. I think he was playing his game. The only thing was that you just didn't have the goals and he's still sitting on only one goal this year, which through 22 games like that's not enough. It's not enough even for a fourth liner, really. It's certainly not enough for a guy who spent most of the year in the top nine. That said, if you're asking me what I think is wrong with him, I don't know. He just looks a tick off. I don't think he looks dramatically different from what he usually looks like. It's just that he's a little bit slower to pucks. He's he's losing you know a few more battles. He's he's missing the net a, a few more times on quality chances when he has them. He hasn't been one of the catalysts of the shorthanded you know bonanza in, in terms of, of of the points that they're generating on the PK. He's just been a guy who's on the PK when other guys are the ones scoring the goals. Like I, I still think it's there. I, I don't think he's banged up. I don't think it's that. I think he's just going through a bit of a cold stretch. And, you know, we asked Tortorella, actually, I, I didn't get to, uh, to ask this question, but he was asked this morning about Lawton. And he gave some interesting answers where basically it seems like, look, I still really like Scott Lawton. I still love the fact that even if he starts out the game on the fourth line, if somebody in the top nine's not going, if somebody gets hurt, I love that that security of knowing that I can move Scott Lawton up the lineup in a way that I can't do with Garnet Hathaway or or Nick Delorier. Like Lawton is that utility Swiss Army knife guy and a coach loves to have that guy, you know, in his toolbox every night on his bench just in case. So I think that will will protect him from being scratched. Obviously he's also the only guy with a letter with a letter. That's part of it. He's a leader. He's he's definitely a guy that the other guys look to who is respected in that room. So scratching him would send a message. And now you only have 12 healthy forwards, so you'd have to bring somebody up to consider it. But I think it's totally fair to say that Scott Lawton is definitely, and I would say especially over the last week or so, his play has seen a pretty significant dip. And I I don't think it's 
I don't think it's anything where like his game needs to be overhauled. I just think he needs to get back to basis and, and get back to playing like the player that he is, like the player that he's shown he is for the past, you know, two, three, four seasons. I'm glad you uh, you mentioned Garnett Hathaway, maybe not a guy you want to move up in the uh, in the lineup at five on five like Lawton is, but he did get an opportunity tonight on the power play. Uh, the power play tonight, 0 for 2, no shock there. It's the Flyers' power play. They don't score. What struck me, though, Peter Kachekov made two saves on two Flyers' power plays. Carter Hart made two saves on two Flyers' power plays. Yikes. Not yeah. great. Um, it, it, like... I almost understand the Hathaway move. It's like throw your hands up like, all right, we need to get gritty guy down low to to win some battles, maybe get in front, cause some chaos. We know he's he's that. He is chaos. Um, can We've given the power play coaches. We've given the power play shit all year. Is there anything they can do with this? Like, I don't see anything they can do. It's just going to suck. I think it is just going to suck. I think that's true. I don't think it's ever going to be good. I do think they will probably go through some stretches where they score some goals. You know, they've had a couple stretches even so far this year where they've had games where they've scored two power play goals in a game where they've looked like, hey, maybe they're starting to figure this out. And then they invariably regress and go back to looking like they did tonight, which was a total dumpster fire. Now, going back to the Hathaway thing, like to me, it's one of those... It's one of those experiments where do I think it's going to work? No, I don't, because there's a reason why Garnet Hathaway is a career fourth liner, a good fourth liner, but a career fourth liner because he doesn't have a ton of skill. So I don't think it's going to work. But you know what? Nothing else has. So why the hell not give it a go? Like throw shit at the wall. Hopefully something sticks. And you know, Ryan Ryan White scored some goals on the power play years ago as a as a net front dude. So maybe Garnet Hathaway can do that too. It's not like what they were doing before was working either. You just made the exact analogy I did. I said, throw some shit at the wall, and I actually brought up Ryan White earlier. So, perfect. Uh, we're in lockstep there, Charlie. Um, just in terms of, I brought up the the Flyers. Like, this game I thought was a, uh, a great example of the needle that they've thread so far this year to have the surprising start that they did. Like, if they don't bring their A-plus game, and you said the coach was like, listen, they were flat tonight. They're usually not, but tonight they were. Carolina's good. This is what happens. But I, I just like watching this game and seeing what the real turning points were. It's like, yeah, Carter Hart, the bad goalie, gave up late. That sucked. And the Lawton turnover in front on the blocked clear. Like, that's the game right there. Like, this team, yeah. if they – they've done a great job of avoiding major mistakes for a lot of this season – but if they just make a couple, they have no chance against the upper echelon teams, right? I would agree with that. And I think also, like, I don't disagree with John Tortorella that the Flyers were were flat tonight. It didn't seem like they had their, their peak energy. But I also think part of that, part of them looking as flat as they did, might just come back to the fact that they played against a team in Carolina who, number one, is really good. But number two, like, they are really good in large part because of how hard they work. Like they are a hardworking, forecheck, pressure you to death team. And one thing that I've wondered, and we've talked about this on the show a couple of times, is right now, and by right now I meant like the first 20 games of the season, the Flyers are winning a lot of games against teams that on paper were better than them because it just seemed like the Flyers were honestly outworking them. This game, I do worry, could be a preview of what happens when 
it's not that the Flyers got outworked. It's that they they got they got worked like it, it was a break even in terms of work ethic. Like both teams worked hard. And if both teams worked hard and the Flyers didn't successfully outwork the other team, that's when the talent deficiency shows up. And and you saw it. Like a couple of guys after the game talked about the lack of quality chances. And is some of that effort sure? Some of that is you gotta get to the front of the net. You gotta create rebounds. You gotta, you know, be fearless in getting to the, the high danger areas. That's part of it. But part of it, too, is that they just don't have a lot of high-end skill that can create quality chances out of nowhere. They just don't have the kind of guys that can do that. So if they're not outworking the other team by, you know, battling and getting position in the in the paint or in the slot or something like that, if they're not able to do that, they're not going to be able to manufacture that many goals because they're not going to be able to manif- manufacture that many quality chances by pure skill. That was spot on, Charlie. A spot on analysis about tonight. Um, I, I'm just curious. Any word on, on Joel Fairbanks? He did. I just did see he went to the to the, uh, to the uh, sideline there with an injury that he looked like he was in serious pain. I don't know if you had any uh, any, any uh, word on Joel Fairbanks. Yeah, he played the third period. I, I I think that was just a you know one of the the classic like bumps and bruises in a hockey game. He didn't seem too hampered in the third. He was very much in the rotation in the third period. So I'm I'm not terribly concerned about Joel Farabee. I thought he actually had some of the better shifts of of any of Flyers players in this game. If anything, I'd like to see John Zorrell find a way to get him more ice time. Like, look, I I don't hate the the Garnet Hathaway on the power play experiment, but Joel Farabee should be somewhere on these power plays. Like, just get him some more ice time. He's been real good this year. Uh, but no, I, I think Farabee's fine. Uh, just you know, thinking about how this team has won thus far, and someone brought up the uh, uh, Rob Greeley says Flyers now 0-9-1 when they don't score the first goal. Uh, might be, is it? Yeah, okay, 0-9-1, 0-10-1. What's the difference? Um, just thinking about like what their offense is, like obviously a lot of it has been goaltending. They, but these slow starts, uh, like thinking about how this team plays and how they have to outwork you. Does this analogy make any sense that they are like a run-based football offense and they have to get you like they wear you down. You need to make the plays defensively. Your goalie has to have your back early so that they have the opportunity to wear you down with that running game late. Like, and if they don't get that, they kind of have to open it up and play a little differently. Is that, does that make any sense to you? I think there's a no, little okay. bit of truth to it. Well, I, oh, I mean, I think there's truth to it in the sense that I think being in the lead allows the flyers to dictate the terms of the game. I will say, though, like, I don't think the Flyers play a plotting style that is reminiscent of a running game. Like, I think last year they did. They very much did last year. They were a, we're going to dump the puck in every single time. We're just going to forecheck you to death, and we're we're never going to give you an odd man rush, and you're going to have to basically three yards in a cloud of dust down the field to beat us because we're not going to give you anything easy. This year, they're taking more risks. I mean, look at the the one goal they scored tonight. That was on a Travis Konechny breakaway off of a stretch pass. Like, that's the kind of play that last year, the Flyers probably don't even try because Travis Konechny doesn't have the freedom to blast the zone like he did and make himself a target for a pass like that. So I don't think it's, it's a perfect analogy because I do think the Flyers have open things up more this year to the point where they're about a 50% controlled entry team. They're playing a more fast paced, you know, rush oriented style than they did last year. But I do think there is truth to the idea that give this team a lead and they can, 
it allows them to kind of mask some of the talent efficiencies because then they can sort of dictate the tempo of the game better because the other team is the team that starts taking more risks because they're down in the game and then the flyers and kind of suck them into their preferred pace the uh i'm good you brought up the rush base then they did uh, they showed a graphic on the broadcast tonight flyers lead the league uh 50 of their goals have come off the rush that is very much what they're trying to do after the rangers game we talked about all the odd man rushes they gave up. And then, of course, they play the Islanders, and it's like if the Islanders were looking at an odd man rush, they might pull up and wait. So it might not be the best team to assess it against. Carolina, maybe not a rush-based team, but they do have speed. I thought the Flyers did a pretty decent job of slowing that down. What did you make of the team defense tonight? They gave up a ton of shots on goal, but it's Carolina. They're going to get their shots. But I, I do think they played better than they did, like, say, against the Rangers what did you make of the uh, team defense tonight oh I 100% agree that they play better defensively you know maybe it wasn't as well as good of a defensive game as it was against the Islanders but again the Islanders aren't that great of an offensive team so that makes sense but but no I mean you you look at the goals that were scored the, the first goal was that's that's a defensive breakdown like that is a defensive breakdown fair that's your defensive breakdown second goal is because Scott Lawton fails on a clear, it goes right to Brendan Lemieux. That's a one-player mistake. And then the third goal is another one-player mistake. Carter Hart gives up a weak goal. And then your fourth goal is an empty netter. So, yeah, they gave up four goals, but only one of them, I would say, was a a team-wide flub in the same way that in on, on Friday of last week against the Rangers. Like, that was a team-wide problem. I would say only goal one to me qualified as, uh-oh, their defense isn't looking that good. The other goals they they allow was it was the empty netter and then two like single player mistakes where you can pretty much pin the whole thing on one guy. So yeah, I think defensively, team played fine. It's just they needed more offense. They didn't get it. Do you have anything else, JP? Um, what'd you think of uh, Owen Michi, our new captain? We got a new <laughs> captain, Charles. That was great. That was honestly really, really awesome. Um, I, I love the fact that he has a C on his jersey. Honestly, if if the Flyers had won, I probably would have made would have asked that question of Torts. But I'm not going to ask that question after a loss because he might have bit my head off. Uh, maybe I'll ask him <laughs> tomorrow at practice. I don't even know. Uh, no, that was that was really awesome. I I'll give the Flyers a lot of credit for ingenuity because it was. I love the idea of. All right, we're not allowed to wear the hockey fights cancer jerseys on the ice. We're not allowed to. But are you really going to find us if the kid wears a hockey fights cancer jersey? Love that little like way to skirt around the rules. Also, love the fact that Tours had him behind the uh, behind the bench for the first period. That had to have been such a thrill for for him. And it seemed like both Torts and the players were all treating him really well. I think he got on ESPN, so it was a uh, that that was cool. It, it it wasn't a great game for the Flyers, but I asked Konechny after the game after he was he had gotten done answering about like six or seven depressing questions. I asked him about about Owen and his face lit up and he said it was great and Tortorella was the same thing he didn't want to talk about the game but he was happy to talk about uh talk about Owen it was it was just a nice thing and it's it's good to see the Flyers doing more nice things just to do nice things and that's uh I saw you mentioned TK in warm-ups I saw he had the uh the purple hockey fights uh hat instead of like instead of the helmet so that was cool my last thing charlie is just about the weird schedule i thought you might have been getting into this earlier uh and it's just like 
I think familiarity, I can't say that word. I think I might have nailed it there, but I'm not sure. Might be catching up yeah, to the Flyers a bit. Like, this is their third meeting with Carolina. It's game 22. Like, they've played them three times in less than a month, which is wild. They've played 14 different teams in 22 games. By this time next week, they'll have another one because they they have the home and home with the Penguins. I have a whole thing I want to get into about this from, like, a 2008 thing with the Hurricanes. We can do that tomorrow. Uh, because you, you want to go home, I'm sure. Uh, but is this weird? Like, is this schedule, the fact that they've played so many teams two or three times to this point, odd? Or am I just like, maybe I'm looking too close at it. It's like this every year. I find this strange. It's a little weird. But it, by the same token, there was a time when teams played their division rivals a lot more Nine than they times, do now yeah, yeah. yeah and and in those situations this would be completely normal because they'd be playing them a lot more than three four times like they do now so is it weird yeah i mean it's a little quirk of a schedule to be sure is like the fact that for example like the fact that they've already played vegas twice that's weird that they, they play them twice all season and they've already played them twice through 22 games that's odd divisional games like yeah you're probably going to end up with a um you know one team you play a lot of games against early then you're gonna have other teams where you play a lot of games against them late so i don't think it's terribly strange but look it's hard making an nhl schedule i'm gonna i'm gonna cut those people a break to do that work oh yeah I, i would i've always i'm sure it's like some like computer program that just like but i would love to see like the room in my mind it's like this puzzle with like all these availabilities and it's like uh, like a scene out of the west wing where they're trying to plot like the the seating chart for the white house like dinner or something <laughs> like and it's just like well this guy can't sit with this guy uh, i've always wanted to like that's how i picture it in my mind but 11 of their first 17 to charlie's points uh, point about vegas have been against the west that's crazy uh, and tonight was the fifth of eight straight against the metro it just seems like an odd schedule to me but uh that's it Charlie, thank you for joining us, and uh, I hope you have a great night. I will see you tomorrow for the live show. Bye, guys. All right, and uh, you know, we'll I'll be seeing Charlie tomorrow for the live show. That's always a lot of fun. Phly will be right back here tomorrow. But maybe you're like, I, you know, watching Charlie, Bill, JP. That's fun. Watching the Flyers, more fun. Well, you know how you can do it. You can do it with Game Time, baby. Yeah. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop. Stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, I like it's getting to the point with the Flyers now where. Like, I'm just not sure how to evaluate them. Like, when they're winning, it's like, okay, I guess I have to evaluate them like a playoff team. And to their credit, like, this is, they're six and three in their last nine. It's not like they're on an extended losing streak. 
But I feel like they're starting to come back to reality a little bit. Like, yeah, did they beat the Islanders Did the, the other night? Did they seriously outplay the Islanders? Absolutely. Also, it was 0-0 through 65 minutes. Like, so I guess I just have to take that step back and remember this is why they're rebuilding. Right. And it, I think it was just so exciting to start the season because the idea to me was, oh, man, this is only going to take like two years instead of four or five. And now I'm starting to think, yeah, this is year one of a rebuild. Like, even though they might be better than we think this year, at least to start the season— in the grand scheme of things, that might not matter because, right. like, they might be just as bad or worse two or three years from now. And then, like, have an actual buildup of dudes who could help turn this thing around. Like, once I think they get it rolling, it won't take that long. Mm. They just might have fewer pieces to this than I thought. Like, Igor Zamula, Morgan Frost, those type of guys they're just kind of the first wave. And if they're not going to be a part of it, it's going to take a little longer than we were hoping to start the season. Yeah. We're still in evaluation mode, but like, I think we have a good sample size right now. Yeah. We're at a quarter, we're at the quarter mark here for our flyer season. And I think that they are somewhere in between that five game winning streak and that team that lost to the San Jose Sharks. I do think that there's somewhere between there. So I think that this is a team that will teeter when that playoff line, I think they will compete. It may come down to the last few weeks to determine whether or not they will make the playoffs or not. But I think that that's where they're at. They're teetering to that line. And that's I think that's a good thing in year two of this this, this run. That we're I going. think it bodes well for the culture they're trying to for build. Sure. And I know a lot of people out there are like, fuck all that. Lose and get the best players in the draft. I get it. I also, this is probably, if I was Keith Jones or Danny Briere, this is probably not the way I would do it. But I always say, even if I don't agree with you, if I can see your line of thinking, I can go, okay, I understand, and I can give it a chance. And I understand what they're doing. Like, they look at the Sixers and go, you know, if we're trying to develop young guys, probably shouldn't be someone right. out of the stands running point. <laughs> like, oh, we have the shooter, we have a big man, how are we going to get him the ball? Oh, we're not. Right. All right, well, then they're not going to ever get any better because no one is helping them get better. And I think they're in this, especially right now, where it's like we have some young guys, but some of them aren't going to make it. We still have dudes under contract. So we're going to try to put this thing together that helps everyone get better, and then we can evaluate who is going to be a part of it and from there, like the rebuild actually begins. Like this is, I know John Tortorella said, oh, we were rebuilding last year. No, we weren't. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, we weren't. We went out and signed Nick DeLaurier and Tony D'Angelo oh and like, they weren't rebuilding. They just sucked. Like this is the first year. And so I'm cutting them a little slack now, but I, I, I think it is going to be by the end of the season, like, Every time we think, okay, and now they've fallen off, they'll rattle off another, like, five in a row. And it will eventually, yeah, they finished three points out of the playoffs. Like, and that'll be a bummer because they won't have a top ten pick probably, but it might be better in the long run. Does that make well, sense? Let me throw a hypothetical, and the listeners can chime in on this one too. Like, what if we do make the playoffs, and you're seeing some solid contributions from a Morgan Frost a, a Forrester, uh, Tippett, Cam York, like will the fan base still have those same sentiments as to why didn't we tank the whole season? Because if we're make knocking on the door on the playoffs and my young kids are performing, I'm happy with that. Because now that tells me that we're actually doing something and we're actually developing players and we're building a culture for more young players to come in and can continue their development as well. 
I, I think that that would be the best case scenario. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see, though. All we can ask for is guys like you know, Tyson Forster, Owen Tippett, to just continue to grow to look better. All you have to do to look better. <laughs> Baby, it's shop at FOCO. Because <laughs> FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you're in that market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your Man Cave, She Shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for your 10% off at FOCO. Uh, JP, another... I think productive post-game conversation we've had here. Enjoyed the show. Enjoyed hanging with you. You got anything else tonight? Everyone, enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back at it again. And listen, it's not always going to be the same game. We will see how the Flyers bounce back here. That's the... They play like three different games, and you don't know which one you're going to get. It's not like they're Carolina, and it's like they play the same way every night. We'll see if they get the goaltending or not. Like there's three (laughs) different Flyers teams right now, and it's always fun to see which one shows up on any given night. That is all the time we have for you on this night, though. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, follow us everywhere on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers right here on the YouTube page. Never miss a live show. Make sure you have reminders set. Subscribe to it. Follow the podcast. You know how to do that. Do the millennial thing. Yeah, do the thing. You you know where podcasts are. Find us there. My name is Bill Matz for JP Zapata. Go Flyers. Let's go Flyers, guys.